0: Last week, we had our Young Communicator Sunday, and uh, we had a group of young communicators doing an amazing job. We've been going through the book of Philippians, and so they preach verses 1 through 4, and this Wednesday morning, I took time to listen to the whole thing, and uh, as I listened, my heart felt full. I felt... Proud. As a pastor, I felt thankful for God, how, how God has stirred in the hearts of the young communicators in this house, what he's doing in them, what he's doing through them. Uh, I, 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 I felt joyful at the unique gift and the expression of each unique gift as they communicated God's word. Uh, Zach Mitchell, he talked about how we need to rejoice in all things. We had Sam Van Wy and she talked about turning our anxiety into prayer. Hallie taught us about fixing our thoughts. And Derek finished with Christ gives us strength to endure all things. Special thanks to Pastor Jesse. He worked with all these individuals, helped them piece together those messages. And it just ended up being a a really grateful uh, or, or a really special morning. And I felt grateful that although I missed Sunday morning, I was able to go back, listen to it on the podcast. And you guys just did an amazing job. Can we give it up for our young communicators? Do an amazing job. I want to pick up where they left off in verses 12 and 13. I got to be honest, I was a little jealous that they got to preach all those verses because as we were going through the book of Philippians, I was like, I cannot wait to get to Philippians four because this is one of the best chapters. And then they got to preach all the good verses. That's okay. We got more good verses today. But in verse 12, Paul says this. He, He mentions a kingdom secret. We've talked about kingdom secrets here. Might have to do a part four of kingdom secrets because Paul, in verse 12 and 13, he brings us in on a little secret of the kingdom. He says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the... All right, this is when I point at you guys. That's your turn, all right? Let's, Let's retry, We'll revert. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the, woo of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. It would seem that as we read Paul's words in verse four here, specifically in verses 12 and 13, we observe the text and we realize that the power of God is dwelling within the believer in such a way that it gives the believer strength to endure all things. It's not only the the power of God that's indwelling the believer, but there's the power of God around the believer as he is omnipresent in our lives. It's this power, it's this very power power that is our sustainer of life it's this power through which uh, our strength to endure comes from and paul's secret is that the power has a name it's the prince of peace jesus christ at work within us amen It's God that supplies all our need. It's God who gives us the capacity to endure all that life may bring. But what we'll discover is that although there is a time and place where we receive directly from the source from within, from the power that's indwelling within us, there are times when God will use his people to place his provision on other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he will also not only provide from within and and give us what we need to sustain us from within. But there are times where we get the privilege of being direct partners with God, that as he places his provision on people, he's allows us to be the vessel through which it comes. I think that's pretty cool. And it's this idea that we'll discuss as we go through our set passage for today. It's a longer one, but it's a good one. So, I'll read this passage, I'll pray, and then I'll preach. It's Philippians 4. We close out Philippians today. We made it all the way through. So, I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Hope has challenged you. I'm gonna read verses 15 through 23 today. It says this. Now, little context if you're new, um, Paul's in a prison cell. He's writing this letter to a church that he planted 10 plus years ago. And, and he's writing to believers that are experiencing persecution because of their beliefs. Uh, Philippi, even though it's nowhere close to Rome, it has thick Roman culture because they allied with Rome in battle. And so they've gained Roman citizenship, which is a big deal in this time because they're a Macedonian uh, region. So everyone around them doesn't have the citizenship, but Philippi does. And so this is why in Philippians, we see Paul refer to being citizens of heaven because he understands that uh, this, this idea of citizenship is something they, they treasure and they value. And so, but he said, hey, it's cool that you're Roman citizens and that you have that identity, but you're a, the, your real identity is a citizen of heaven and it's far beyond what this world could ever offer you. And so he writes to this church and as he concludes his letter, he writes this. Y'all with me this morning? He says, and you Philippians, you yourselves, you know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that one more time. Come on. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God, the father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. That's a little like, yeah, the big dogs also say hi. I tried to study it. I don't even know how Paul has been connected with some because Caesar, this is like telling a youth group like, hey, Justin Bieber says hi, right? This is, this is for real. This is, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Paul just nonchalantly, casually throws out, yeah, yeah, Caesar and all his boys say what up. Are you for real, Caesar? Okay, this is a big deal. He just throws it out there. Humble brag, I guess. Humble boast. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is it. Final verses. Y'all ready? I feel like preaching them. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Father, we invite your presence into this room. We invite your Holy Spirit to till the soil of our heart. Help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. You tell us that if we just hear your word, but we don't live your word out, we're deceiving ourselves. God, real wisdom is to not just hear your word, it's to apply it to our lives. Holy Spirit, give us the ability, give us the capacity to retain this word, seal it in our spirit, help it transform us and conform us to the image of your son, Jesus. We want to be more like you. We want to think like you, talk like you, walk like you, love like you, forgive like you. And we know that as we yield ourselves to your word, that real transformation will take place in us. And so we ask that you would do that. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Abigail went through some family drama in uh, her middle school, elementary school, middle school years. And so she uh, kind of unexpectedly had to bounce around the country a little bit, different story for a different day, not going to get into the details of it. But because of that, she missed out on a little bit of school. And the particular time of school that she missed out on was geography. And so we kind of joke, but Abigail, just because never spent a whole lot of time, doesn't have great geographical awareness, okay? And so is there a reason that I'm telling you this? Not really, but I do want to refer to a map I do want to refer to a map in just a moment. I want to read the verse. Actually, you can leave the map up, and I'll just read the verse just to give you guys a little awareness. This is Paul's journey on his road to Damascus, right? Meets Jesus, and then through the book of Acts, we go on this whole journey where Paul goes. Up here we got Philippi. Over here, we have Thessalonica. He'll make reference to these things, okay? You can see the different regions. He he moves through Syria, and then uh, he he moves through Asia, okay? Then he comes into Macedonia, and so uh, he's all over this place. This is Paul's secondary missionary or second missionary journey, okay? And so here he is writing to the church in Philippi. He says this, in verse 15 and 16, he says, uh, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only, even in Thessalonica. So when I left, but you continued to give even when I left Macedonia. But even when I was in Macedonia, when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs. That's good. You can take that map off the screen. Did you get that, sweetie? Okay, just making just making sure, just making sure. Someone do a house check on me after service, make sure I'm still alive, okay? This is important for us to understand as, as we move through this final passage that Philippi has been incredibly generous to Paul as he's done his kingdom work. They've helped supply. They've they've helped provide every need. They've they've sowed into his kingdom work. They've given out of their resource. They've sown into his ministry because they knew the kingdom work taking place through his life was worth sowing into. Here's a question. What kingdom work are you sowing into? I'm talking finances, I'm talking money, I'm talking providing, okay? I know this is a church that isn't always, or this is a conversation that isn't always super comfortable in church, but we got to talk about it. Because I think about Destiny Church, and a lot of you made time to be here. A lot of you have been coming for five plus years. Some of you have been coming for longer than that, shorter than that. And I would like to think that you would agree that even the ministry of Destiny Church, effective kingdom ministry is taking place here. Are you sewing into Destiny Church? You know, I, I, I think about things. I, I think uh, we love the coffee here. These bags of coffee are expensive. Julie Decker, are you in the room? No? Forget it. That was a bad reference, huh? <laughs> Need to plan these things. Calling someone out. Got to make sure they're in service. No taken. We buy big bags of coffee. Now the coffee we buy donates to missions, but the coffee, it costs money. And you, like me, like to drink it every Sunday. The electric bill to amplify the sound so the room can hear me nice and clear costs money. Outreaches in our community, they cost money. And I just want to talk about this for a minute. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25, in the Amplified says this. There is one who generously scatters abroad, almost, almost, almost thoughtlessly, is what this is saying, like just just scatters abroad, just, just throws it out, just loves to give, is, is generous in spirit. There's one who is generous, scatters abroad, yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, what you're supposed to give. There's somebody who, when it actually is the right time to give, will still withhold, what is justly due, but it results only in want and poverty. See, culture will tell you if you want to get something, take it. But in the kingdom of God, if you want to get something, give it. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. It's different. The kingdom is different. Verse goes on, verse 25 The generous man is a source of blessing. Does anyone want to be a source of blessing? Okay. The generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. The kingdom of God is the safest place to give. When you give in the kingdom of God, you only increase. You do not lose anything. Doesn't mean it doesn't feel sacrificial. Doesn't it mean it takes a measure of self-control and pushing, back, pushing past the emotions of our flesh. The, the NLT translation, I want to read the same verse out of the NLT because the NLT Amplified is going to be more of a word-for-word translation. NLT is going to be more of a thought-for-thought, and so it dumbs it down a little bit for us simpletons in the room. Praise God, I'm not the only one. Hallelujah, Mark Senior runs in the blood, baby. <laughs> Proverbs eleven twenty-four. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy. Lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. This isn't a tithing message. This is something we have to understand in the kingdom. If you're taking notes, write this down. The kingdom of God is the safest place to give. I know this whole generosity and giving topic, it can make the church uncomfortable. But the reality is this, that God delights in giving. He loves giving. It's from his heart. It's a picture of who he is. He, he loved us so much. He gave his one and only son. He gave the best of the best. He gave the most valuable thing that's ever existed uh, in the natural and in the spiritual realm. He gave Jesus for us. He loves. He didn't give us Walmart Jesus. He didn't give us wish version. He, he gave us who he is, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, uh, the creator, the, through, the one through whom which everything was created for and by. He gave us Jesus. He loved the world so much. He Gave. Ephesians tells us God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God is not stingy, he delights in giving. He's a generous God. And he's called us as his people to be generous as well. As the Spirit of God conforms us into the image of Christ, in whom the fullness of the Father dwells, right? So Jesus isn't the nice one, and God the Father is the big, mean, angry one. In Jesus, we see the fullness of the Father, okay? It's important we understand that. God wants us as believers to learn to love giving as much as he does. It's what he wants. Now, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But I can't help but wonder if part of the reason the Lord has placed such great reward and blessing behind the obedience of our generosity is because that's where he wants to lead us. Okay, I'm gonna say it again because I just wanna make sure we get it. God, we can see in the scriptures time and time again, I could give you 14 passages on how God blesses rewards giving and how he calls us into giving and how giving is in his heart. And so he, there's great blessing and there's great re- reward that is prepared for those who are willing to demonstrate generosity, okay? And, and so I think part of the reason and, and behind the obedience of our giving, there is great blessing and reward is because that is exactly where he wants to lead us. It's, it's this, I, I want you to come this way. I want you to desire this. I want you to be eager to, to demonstrate this, to exercise this in your own life. We, we've been called to make disciples, Right? And I think, I think we make disciples by demonstration. We talked about that. When we demonstrate Jesus and teach others to demonstrate Jesus, that is in fact discipleship. And one of the greatest ways that we can demonstrate the God that we love and serve and the God that we've made Lord of our lives is by living generously. We demonstrate God to those around us when we live generous lives. And so he's called us into generous lives. I wanna continue this conversation. Uh, save time not to get into the the nitty gritty of it because we've teached on tithing and the principle of tithing and I'm not necessarily gonna get into all of that today but it is my own personal conviction that based off the scriptures that a part of a God's immense blessing over our lives is correlated with the tithe, okay? That's the 10%, that's 10% of our income. That's the first 10% of our income when we sow it into the kingdom of God. And so we read verses like this, Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithe, say all. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, if you will bring your tithe into the temple, if you do, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is God aggressively beckoning his people, come. Give. Watch what I do in your life. Give me the opportunity to demonstrate my provision over you. Test me. He's aggressive with it. Now to receive this verse in proper context, we got to acknowledge a couple things. Number one, the temple is no longer where the manifest manifest presence of God primarily resides. When Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn, right? The, The present left the building, entered the hearts. You and I, we're temples of God now. Okay. That's a difference. Number two, this was spoken under the old covenant, not the new covenant. Christ established. So so Christ, uh, when when Christ died, as we placed faith in him, when he sat down at at the Lord's Supper, he said, this represents a new covenant that I'm establishing with my people. That's taking believers out from under the Mosaic law, putting them under the law of the spirit. What is the law of the spirit? It's about being so intimately connected with Christ as he dwells in our heart through his spirit, as we go to his word, which is the sword of the spirit, which is inspired by God, which is God breathed, as we read his word and yield ourselves to that as we hear from God as we obey him when he convicts our heart when he whispers to us when he tells us to go when he tells us to stay when he tells us to step out of the way this is life under the spirit it's about being so intimately in relationship with Jesus that I have an awareness of how his spirit is leading me and it's no more about a list of rules it's about a voice that we hear and obey so We know God's word is reliable to be interpreted as never changing, eternal truth. It's spirit inspired. So we submit ourselves to the word and we're under the new law. We're under the law of spirit. So it's no longer really about rules and I'm totally okay for people to be like, man, it's not the tithe really isn't mandatory anymore. Honestly, I I agree. But I would say life under the spirit is like, but we're supposed to be cheerful givers, abundant givers, okay? But what we do see is just like with the 10 commandments, those things, we don't ignore those things. We wouldn't identify those things as uh, not honoring God or or, or those wouldn't lead us into the blessing of God. We still would agree like, yeah, we still don't wanna lie. So it's my personal conviction as we commit ourselves to the tithe and as we operate in the tithe, I believe God's blessing still exists on it. Third, I know some of you got gardens and livestock and all that, but our vegetation isn't the source of our livelihood in this day and age. Our income is, okay? And so I feel comfortable comparing our sources and and, and equate those things with the the times in the scriptures. We don't have a storehouse and temples, but I'm not even sure the primary point of this uh, instruction is Is even about that. I I would say this. um, I I think what the Lord is more emphasizing here, it's not about the numbers. It's not even really about the amount. It's it's just, I think this is what he's trying to emphasize. I don't want you to just say you trust me. I think what God is saying is, is, I don't want you to just say you trust me. I want to teach you to actually trust me. So I'm going to emphatically invite you to demonstrate your trust by doing it. Okay, bring your tithe to the storehouse. You, you want to be blessed, learn to love giving to God. Okay, I know it's not a direct correlation. This is not the storehouse or temple. I, I, I get it, but I, but I think this is in the same way Philippi would sow into the kingdom work of Paul. What kingdom work are we sowing into? what kingdom work are you benefiting from? I hope you're benefiting from this. And I would ask, not because I want more of it, not because I want it for me, but like Paul said, I want the fruit to increase to your credit as well. Okay? We we, we give God, uh, uh, you wanna be blessed, learn to love giving to God. We don't just give to God by writing a check on Sunday morning. We give God our desires in exchange for his desires for our lives. We give God praise in every season. We give God glory when we confess and recognize anything good about us is only a reflection of his goodness, it's not our own. But this money thing, this material thing, can be a massive factor in many life choices for you and I. Think about money as a motivator. As you consider jobs, as you consider houses, as you consider cars, as you consider moves, as you consider decisions, we always are thinking about money. Money it's it's this there is I would say maybe, you know when Jesus said you can't have two masters, you can't serve God and money, he didn't say God and fame He didn't say God and influence, he said God in money. Maybe because he knew one of the greatest temptations to have a master other than him would be our money. And so there's something about our money. We need to be extra intentional to say, you will not be master of my life. One of the greatest ways we can create accountability to say he's master and you're not is to take the first 10% of this and say, that's yours, Ah! right? So I think it's important to address a couple of false wise uh, decisions, philosophies that we have over our life that I've heard as a pastor. Okay, coming for y'all, don't be offended, punching a hug, I love y'all, I want you to be blessed. Okay, number one, I don't wanna give because the pastor just wants my money. Very practically, my salary is set. Very practically, your boy ain't getting rich off this, I'm gonna tell you that right now, okay? I don't even have the ability to determine how much money I make. There's people above me who determine that. So let's address number one. Number two, I don't trust the church as being a good steward, so I'm not going to tithe. Okay, if there's proof, positive evidence that the church is embezzling the money and not being good stewards of the money, Okay, I understand. And at that point, it's not, no longer a decision of whether or not I'll stay at the church or whether or not I'll give to the church. The question is, should that even be a church that you're in and that you're committed to and that you've submitted yourself to, okay? So there's a greater question that needs to happen there. But if you trust this church enough to call it home, trust this church enough to sow financially so we can continue to do the kingdom work that we've been called to do, yeah. amen? Amen. And then another sub thought in in this, I I don't trust the church thing is don't rob yourself of God's blessing because you're too busy playing judge. Even if you had a sense that something was off, what's done in the dark will come to light. Trust Jesus to do it. But the calling to give is still upon your life and God's blessing will still be upon it. Don't rob yourself of, of his blessing over your life. Amen? Number three, I literally can't afford to give, Pastor Mark. I don't have the room. I won't be able to pay bills. And what I'd like to say, can we pull up Malachi 3 really quick? What I'd like to say is you misread it. Bring all the ties into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do this, if you'll give, if you'll sow into the kingdom of God, I just wanna I just want to remind you, I, this is God, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. That's a lot. Try it. Test me. If our excuse is I can't afford to tithe, you can't afford to not tithe. (laughs) Homegirl, homeboy, whoever you are. Okay? The reason you're probably struggling is because you're stingy and you won't trust God. Okay? And I know there's people in the room are probably unwilling to tie, but you love Jesus. And I just want to say, do you trust him? And if you trust him, demonstrate it. It says, test me, try it. Watch him pour out God's blessing over your life. Trust God. Stop making excuses. Trust God. Demonstrate your trust. So into the kingdom, the church in Philippi did. Back to our passage, rant's over. You guys okay? Anybody want to leave? Philippians 4 15 says this, as you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. And then Paul says this interesting statement, not that I seek the gift, not that I seek your provision, not that I seek your money, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I know that sounds confusing, but what Paul is saying, stole this, uh, the, the message makes it a little plain. It says, not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from your generosity. So Paul, Paul literally says this. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit. Everyone say fruit. So I looked up that word. That word's important. When Paul uses that word fruit, the, the Greek word, it's said like this, kados. I think that's right. If not, I'm going to pretend it is it's a business word. That means profit. What does that mean? We're talking dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. Okay. I seek the profit that increases to your credit as you're generous to me. So I'm not going to feel bad about taking your gift because I know that God's going to bless you in return and you're going to get more. Come on. This is good. This is good. Paul is saying, I- I'm not going to feel sorry about being a recipient of your generosity because I know that God is going to bless your generosity greatly. Philippians 4.18. Paul says, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent really quick. Church in Philippi, Paul's in prison. They get word, Paul's in prison. Church in Philippi, he planted 10 plus years before. They uh, they say, hey, Paul's in prison. We we know where he's at. Let's bring this gift to him. Paphroditus, will you bring it? Yeah, I got y'all. Paphroditus brings Paul the gift. Here you go, Paul. He says, thanks, brother, I appreciate that. I'm gonna write this letter, you bring it back to the crew. All right, deal. He writes the letter. See you later, Paul, love you. Love you too, man, all right. Paphroditus brings the letter back. This letter is what we're reading. And so he says this, he says, I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. And then he calls them, he he labels them. He says, they're a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Earlier in the message, I talked about this idea of how the Lord allows us to be partners in how and when he places his provision on his people. Is that too many Ps Did I lose y'all? Paul testifies to this truth as he equates the offering given to him as an offering to God, not because Paul equates himself with God, but because he understands that when we bless others, we bless God. I also mentioned that the kingdom of God is the safest place to give. A major part of why I am more than convinced and more than convicted that the kingdom of God is the safest place to give is because of what we read in verse 19. He says this, Paul writes, And my God will supply every need of yours according, everyone say according, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul doesn't write and he will supply your need out of, he will say, he will supply your need according to. According to. Do I got a youth student in the room who's going to future conference? Or either are you going? You are going? Have you guys raised all your money yet? A little bit? Talon, are you going or no? Yeah, going. You are going? Get up here, Talon. <laughs> Talon, do you work right now? Do you have a job? Yeah. Okay, what are you doing for a job? Lawn care, okay? Anybody need their lawn mode? Holler at my guy. We don't have an MC mic, do we? Jesse, you do? Let me steal that really quick, just so we can hear Talon. Lawn care, okay. How many lawns are you mowing right now? Uh, I got three. three. You can take, you can take this, oh, I'm not going bad. to. I got three. About. You got three, yeah. okay. Business ain't booming, but we're there. We're on, we're on a journey. We're on a journey. God increase in Jesus' name. All right, so... The lawns that you mow. What, what do you charge for your three lawns? Uh, well, I mow an apartment complex, so I, I'm doing 200 for that, and then okay. it's basically by like the. How long does that take you? Two hour, well, two hours, okay. hour and a half. Long time. You got to put in hours to get this, to get this work. Um, so if you mow an average size lawn, what do you charge, like 20, 30 bucks, something like that? Yeah, well, I charge like, I charge 40. Okay. Well, if, it, if it's a square, it's a square, or quarter square inch, yeah. or not a quarter square inch, quarter square uh, acre, yeah. um, I charge 40. Boom, Somewhere. what a deal. Come on, somebody, somebody, somebody get your lawn mowed. But my, my point is, my point is, you gotta put in hours uh, of work to, to, to get funds, right? Yes. See, but, but God just, he doesn't just give out of what he has. God says, I, got, I, I have a lot more than you do, okay? So what would take you hours to achieve, God, God can just say, well, man, I got, I got the bills. Like, I, I, got, I, I got money. So you know what I'm saying? This is, if you're faithful to me. You don't have to work any time for that. You take that, that's for a future conference, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's for a future conference. And he, he says, that's for you. Why? Because God has more than we do. And He gives according to what He has. And He has unlimited supply. Let's give it up for Talon. Go ahead. Go sit down. Somewhere, I don't know. Not me. As Christians, not only are we called to be generous, write this down if you're taking notes, we're equipped to be generous. Pastor Mark, I don't, I don't have that much. I barely have any extra room. I'm struggling to pay my bills. You're plugged into the source, baby. He gives according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He's got an unlimited bank account that you're hooked up to. You'll be fine. Safest place in the kingdom. Our safest place to give is in the kingdom. We can always afford to give in the kingdom of God. God doesn't call you to something unless he's going to equip you to do it. As Christians, we should live generous lives. Philippi was. God, God called us to be generous, and he beckons us into generosity because he's liberated us to be generous. He's liberated us to be generous. Whatever you got, God gave it. If you give it away, he will and is able to give you more. Okay? Some of us need to, we need to throw off the stingy. And we need to step into generous lives. It ain't a cute phrase on the wall. We're generous. If we're a destiny church, we're generous with our time, our talent and our treasure. It's who we are because we're Jesus followers. Yeah. I think what's so beautiful about Jesus is his provision for our lives goes far beyond our earthly need. He, he, his word says that he knows our need before we ask. Worship team, you can come. I'm, I'm reminded of when Jesus is preaching in a house. Jesus, Jesus has sitting. the house is so full with people and Jesus is sharing things about the kingdom of God. He's in this mud house. I think I picture it looking maybe something like what I saw in Africa, these little mud huts. Okay. And just for visual illustration, let's pretend I'm in the mud hut. We'll call it a house and it's so full and nobody can get in and there's a line out the door and he's, he's preaching. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. If that's causing you to sin, cut it off. What I'm for real. Yeah. Well, wow. so they're, so he's preaching and he's teaching. And there's four friends and they have a friend who's a paralytic. And they've been hearing about this man, Jesus, and how he heals and how he restores. And and, and so they, 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 they pick up their friend and and they carry their friend and they, they get to the mud hut and they're like, dang, there's a lot of people in there. You guys got any ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, what if we went up on the roof? Yes. Yes. All right. So, so we carry him around. They go up, they get up onto the roof. They start digging. Jesus is sitting. He's teaching. He's teaching and then poof, He can't feel it. It's all right. Oh my gosh. Do we laugh at that? I don't know. That's I don't know. And Jesus looks at the man and says says he looks up. He saw his friend's faith knew what he was there for. And they're like, they're, they're up on the roof looking in like, Eddie, you all right? I didn't feel it. All right. He's going to get you, man. He's, you're going to be able to walk after this, bro. You, you're going to be able to walk. You're going to feel everything. It's going to be amazing. I, Jesus, is, Jesus is sitting there. His son, everybody's anticipating this healing. They can't wait for it. Your sins are forgiven. I bet the whole place goes, ah, oh, huh? Because Jesus said, we got to deal with the root before we deal with the fruit. So if I heal your body, If I change your mind, if I get you to quit cigarettes, but I don't get you to Jesus, it's all done in vain. If I heal your body and you can walk, then it's all done in vain. If I get to change your mind politically, but you don't know Jesus, then it's all done in vain. Jesus understood, I got to get to the root and the fruit will come. So son, your sins are forgiven. And then he ends up healing his body. And what this is a picture of is all the needs that Jesus meets. Not only will he provide for your physical needs, but above all else, he will provide for your spiritual needs. He can do for your heart, soul, mind, body, what nothing else, what no one else can do. He's the supplier of every need. He loves to give. Psalm 3410 says this, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 145 says, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. My question for you, church, have you sought him? Do you look to him? Jesus is beckoning all of us to himself. He has plans not just to forgive your sin, although that would be enough. But he wants to use you as a vessel of his glory in all the earth. He wants to do some things in you. talent. he doesn't just want to heal your sin, bro. He wants to empower you through his Holy Spirit. Wants to minister through you. Wants to change young dudes' lives through you. Wants to be the center of your whole life. Wants to use you in powerful and effective ways. Amen? I believe it. I believe it. And that's the truth for all of us. I know it because his word says we're created anew in Christ Jesus to do good things he prepared long in advance. There's divine assignments on every life, on every heart that's in the room. He doesn't want to just save your soul. He wants to use you. Wants to bring you through some things. Wants to minister through you. Wants to demonstrate his, the same generosity he showed you to save your soul. He wants to demonstrate to the world through you, through your words, through your finances, through your talents, through your abilities, through your forgiveness, through your grace, through your encouragement. In all these different ways, he wants to minister to the world through his church. So we got to stop being stingy. If the world's going to see Jesus, then the church has got to be generous. Paul concludes the letter, the letter kindly. He says, "To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen." greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And I just wonder this morning, is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with your spirit? Because... It's not a broad way. The way is narrow. It's not hard. It's through belief. It's through faith. And God is inviting you. Jesus himself, he's already demonstrated his kindness through the cross. But he wants relationship with you. And so maybe you're in the room, and if you were to be real honest, you know that a relationship with Jesus doesn't exist. And he wants to know you. And so I just wanna start the conversation with you this morning. As you place faith in Jesus, as you trust that his sacrifice was sufficient to cover your sin, he is gonna transform your heart. He is gonna transform your mind. He's gonna bring you into alignment with your divine calling and your divine assignments. There's gonna be great purpose on your life that you never even knew existed. It's not just your soul being saved, it's your whole life being changed. Won't always be comfortable but it'll always be good.